All right. Thank you, guys. Jimmy, you all right, buddy? All right. You got it. Showing that agility off. Jelly, Jelly yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, one prayer request I did forget. Peggy had given it to me right when... Uh, when I was coming out, and I don't know what I did with it, but it, uh, something about uh, Kathy King uh, was lifting up a uh, little Down syndrome girl who I think she had, I think it was cancer, and I, I can't remember her name. So, yes, she, yeah, she had surgery on her feet, and then she got hoof and mouth disease, and. Just a lot of complications going with that. Do you happen to know her name? Do you remember her name? Okay. Well, God God knows her. Father, we just ask your grace over that child and uh, bless her and heal her in Jesus' name. So, sorry, I lost that somewhere. Okay, let's, let's pray quickly and, and just get into the Word. Father, we're just so grateful that you have done everything necessary for heaven and earth to become one. And uh, Lord, we thank you for salvation. We've become citizens of heaven. And we thank you for your spirit that uh, is mixed with your word, which brings revelation knowledge. We see things that we've never seen before, and we're invited into them. And I just ask tonight that as we open up the word, this, uh, Lord, you would take the rambling away from me, and that some, some word that's straight from you to your people would come clear, that we would... Uh, just hunger and thirst for your righteousness and may it change us tonight as we hear it and it's uh, in the name of Jesus that we pray amen okay so I pray I don't ramble tonight I've got far too many scriptures to show and I tend to do that but um really wanting to kind of uh continue on last Wednesday I brought up a personal uh Thing that God had been doing in me here recently it started 10 years ago as I was reading Psalm 48 12 uh, asking to see the citadels of heaven and God spoke really clearly to me and and uh, asked me if he would give me Joshua for it uh, who was my firstborn son as the only child that I had at the time and uh, but 10 years later because I was studying the Word, uh, over and over and over, meditating on Romans 6, 7, and 8, I feel like that's really what did it ultimately. I got a new look, and I realized God wasn't trying to say, I'm going to take your son. He was trying to help me look from his perspective at the act of giving your son. And if you did do that, wouldn't you want to get what you gave your son for? And uh, and so it was it was meant for me to encourage me and you in our faith that God is going to do some things. The issue is, do we believe? I mean, it really comes down to that. We we're struggling with faith right now, I think. And uh, I'll tell you, the remedy for that is if you'll eat the word properly, faith will rise. I just think we need to get desperate. When you get desperate, you start doing things like reading the word incessantly <laughs> to make something happen uh, and it pays off I mean it, it it feeds your spirit you begin to see things and I just begin to see 
things, uh, and especially Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That, that's the verse that really continued to stick out to me as I read it probably 50 times over a few days, and, and this kind of clicked into place. So uh, my faith has kind of increased in this area, and, um, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to kick our faith into high gear. And so uh, I recently read a book called Imagine Heaven, and I had written this in my uh, article a couple months ago. It's a fascinating book. It's about these. Uh, it's it's a comp- compilation of uh, 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 about a thousand people who've had near death experiences, and evidently, near death experiences are just everywhere. Uh, I was really amazed at the amount of people who are having such things. But it makes sense because of our ability to bring people back. The lots of people are dying and having some kind of experience, and then we're bringing them back with our technology and our capabilities and their and then they have these things they experienced and they end up telling people about them and you know you got to be careful with stuff like this and uh, but so many of the stories are so compelling and so this guy took all these stories and he used people who who were going to pay a price for having told it like like doctors like a doctor has a near-death experience when they share that I mean, they're going to pay a price for sharing that because it's, it's not doctor-like, you know, to talk about such things. And So he picked stories like that, and then he, com- he, he, he looked at all the things that were uh, the same, similar in each story, and then he connected those things to Scripture and what does the Bible have to say. Very compelling. What it did for me is it just brought heaven to life for me in a way I have never had it. Uh, it really took the sort of the, this fear of death kind of got moved out of the way and it's almost like a hey bring it on this sounds fabulous you know I'm kind of I understand Paul saying you know if I stay here I, I'm, the bank account of heaven is skyrocketing if I go there that's obviously better it's a pretty good spot to be in you know to get to where you're like oh, I can't decide exactly we'll leave that up to the Lord you know that's that's the way it ought to be and so just the beauty and the reality that this we're going to somewhere far greater uh, you know, we don't need to cling to this life and what it has to offer. But if you're not going to cling to this life, you ought to just get your heart already aimed at that place and really feel it out and see it. And that's what I got from it. I began to read Scripture and notice things because I was kind of seeing it from that perspective of heaven. Um, and I had read another book on heaven that I what got back out and started reading again and uh, then I just decided here recently, I'm going to study all about heaven. I want to know everything about it. I want it to be the thing I can just ring it, reel off all kinds of things about this place. I want to know what's going on up there. And I found out that it's really critical that you do know it uh, and that we're supposed to do that. So that's kind of what I want to, I hope I don't ramble tonight, but uh, that's kind of what I want to discuss and bring out some points I think are valid and important and will help us in this difficult time that we're uh, that we're in, and that it's increasing. You know, we're going to see more difficulty, and who knows which direction it's going to go, what it's going to look like. But I can promise you, we're headed towards some difficulty. Um, 
So I was, I start again, I was reading scripture from that perspective and I, I got in the book of, book of Matthew, I decided I'm going to see how many times Jesus talks about heaven in the book of Matthew. So I just started chapter one, read through the whole thing. And I was like, it's all he talked about. Seriously. Uh, he, he mentions the kingdom of heaven 32 times. It's literally every place there's read in Matthew, it's what he's talking about. And I, I don't know why, why I'd never really picked up on that tidbit of information, but, but I was like, yeah, this is incredibly important. It's all Jesus wanted to bring up was his kingdom that he's the king of, you know? It's an exciting thing. So in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, I'm going to read that to you. It started bringing on a, a new light, and it says this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so I think Paul's giving us clear direction in where we're to set our hearts. And you know that Jesus teaches this too, where you're... Uh, where your heart is there, your treasure will be also. There's, if you just begin to read Scripture from that perspective, you start seeing it all over the place. So setting our mind on this place above, it reminded me, because, I, again, I had just read Romans over and over and over again, and in Romans 8, uh, there's a passage that kind of jumped out with that. Romans 8, 5 said, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Or you could say it another way. They set their mind on earthly things. They're just very, very concerned about what's going on in this world, and that's where they've got their mind. Their heart is set upon it. But he says, don't do that. He said, those who live according to the Spirit, I'll throw this in, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You know, you've got to set your mind on this. It's a perspective. It's an aim. It's a focus. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it, does, it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. I, I love this verse, that's why I kept going here. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That just sounds like an incredible promise right there. And I think that if our perspective is the eyes of our heart are set towards heaven and we're seeking it with all of our heart, we're not looking for houses and cars and boats and this and that and all these other things we're we're set on god i've got to see this place uh, we're exercising our faith towards it we're feeding on these words which are spirit words that's what jesus said about his words to his disciples their spirit and life these words are spirit and life we're feeding on them we're going to see this place it's going to come to life and then we can uh, live on another level Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 14, we look not at the things which are seen. He's saying we're not talking about physical sight. We're talking about spiritual sight, but at the things which are not seen. In other words, these things we're looking at spiritually 
are with spiritual eyes, and it's an unseen thing. We're not visibly seeing heaven here. You have to see it with another set of eyes, and that's what he's saying. Set your mind on these things above. Look with your spiritual eyes. Ephesians 1, 17 through 21 is a prayer of the Apostle Paul, which we're all very familiar with, but it's one of my favorite things to read over and over. It's just such a powerful prayer. So let me read it. He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what that means to me is heaven. That's, that's the inheritance, the king and his kingdom. That's our inheritance. We can, he's saying, look at this, open up your eyes and look at this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So he's saying you have access to this place, and you need to focus on it. And if you'll do that, you're going to get some serious rewards. I want to remind you of... Stephen, the martyr in Acts 7, this popped into my mind when I was looking at this, just because I want you to see that in Scripture this is, this is what happened. This is, this is something that in the narrative, in the story, these are things that were mentioned. These aren't my crazy ideas here. I got this from the Bible in Acts 7.55. And you guys know the story. Stephen has just gave a whopper of a, of a message to these Pharisees and it enrages them. They cannot stand it. Um, and so they go to kill him. And in verse 55 of chapter 7, he says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Now, whether he saw that with his physical eyes or his spiritual eyes or both, I don't know. But he, it's something he was in touch with. I see him standing. And I just think that the mojo of the book of Acts, those believers, is they were very connected to this realm. Um, and you can prove that through Scripture. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. And I just think that in our time, it's time that we take the governor off of our faith and take all the lids off of whatever has limited us and, and just say, hey, I don't want this world. I want you, Father. I, I'll do what it, whatever it takes. I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to walk in this thing. I want, I want to give Jesus everything he paid for, and I believe he paid for this for us to see it. The end result of it is his glory. And other people seeing it too to the point they would want it the way that we want it. That, that's the whole point as I can see it while we're here, while we're on this earth. Of course, we know Paul had his Second uh, Corinthians 12 is about him going to the third heaven. Now, he didn't tell a lot about it, but the man went there. He experienced it. Uh, that's got to profoundly change your life. And I just believe knowing what Paul did as unstoppable as he was, Going through what he went through, you couldn't stop him. And it's because I think he was seeing more than what we're seeing. He was in touch with more, which to me means 
Paul, that's an invitation to you. I don't think God's a respecter of persons. I think he paid for things and they're there. I think it comes down to faith and seeking. I mean, how desperately do you want that? How much are you seeking after it? That's what the scripture is trying to say. Do you want me uh, as much as Paul did? You know, those are things I think we've got to think about. And so this Sunday then I talked about Matthew sixteen nineteen, the keys of the kingdom. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Um, he's talking about what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, what do you know to bind and loose if you don't know what's going on in heaven? And, and we, we, here's what I'm trying to say. We do know what, what's going on in heaven. It is full of it if you know where to look and, and how to look. And I was going to go there tonight and as some of the things I'm studying in this uh, other book, which is more theological and more scripture-based, trying to say, here's what, here's what the Bible says about heaven, what it's going to be like, what are we going to be doing, are we going to work, are we going to sleep? Are we going to... What are, what's happening? What, what are we headed towards? It's not, uh, it's not a never-ending church service like many of us have been told. It's not that. Um, there's more going on there than that, which is fascinating to me and makes you want to... And, and here's the thing. God has already paved the way so, like Jesus did, he lived out his kingdom here as if he were there. He just he was living in the principle of his kingdom. He's the king of his kingdom. He didn't change him. He didn't come here and alter his, his existence or his ways or anything. He just was who he was as a model for all those around him and then said, then I'm going to pay the price to get this thing back online so that you guys can be little Christs and walk around and change this place. That, that's the whole book of Acts right there. And that's what they did. They turned... The world upside down, as Scripture says. So, let's see here where I want to get to with this. I'm trying to kind of build something here. So, the mindset. It's back to this mindset. What is your mindset on? And mindset, as a definition, is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. It influences how you think, feel, and behave in any given situation. And so... If we could gain a mindset of heaven, who we are in heaven, who are we because of who Jesus is? What does Jesus say about us since he is Lord and he has the final say? What's he say? Are we agreeing with him? Do we believe him? Are we living in that? I think those are all the invitations that we have. Gaining a heavenly mindset, a growth mindset. You know, we're not limited this is not a fixed thing. I don't believe there is a limit. I think there's no lid to what can happen here, not as far as God's concerned. Now, there are lids in, in a sense, but I think you can have all that you want. You can get it all. I just think we've lived with more of a fixed mindset about, oh, I'm, the, I'm just poor pitiful me. I can't do nothing. And then I die and go to heaven. I, I think we've got to reverse that. And, and look more along the lines of what the book of Acts has to say. There, there's a, and all through history, when, when the kingdom of heaven comes to a people and they begin to live it out, they change the world. They change history. So faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, that's what, if we have faith in this unseen world, 
and begin, but, but we're in touch with it. We're seeing it. Hebrews 12, uh, 2 talks about having our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So in other words, you, you've got your, the eyes of your heart fixed on this Son of God who is Lord. He's Lord of that realm. He's Lord of this realm. He's Lord of all. We have our eyes fixed on him, and that verse lets you say, he gave you this, he's the author of this faith, and he's also the finisher, meaning he's, he's working on it. It's being added to and built up, and, and more. there's more to do, there's more to see, there's more to believe, there's more to live. So we have eyes of faith, we can see Jesus seated at the right hand of God in full authority. And then, evidently, we can use these keys of, of the kingdom. And I, I've been thinking about the keys of the kingdom. I don't think I said this Sunday. But imagine if, how important keys are. If you lost all your keys, your car keys, your house keys, all your past keys on the Internet, we're done. We're, we're not doing anything. I mean, keys are important. And he's saying, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven to do what you do with keys with and that's like i don't think we know what that is exactly i don't think i'm we are fully appreciating what it is that he paid for us to have and what we get to do with them i think we've kind of lost that and i'd like to just stir up a desire for that in in all of our lives so uh, eyes of faith in the word can see with the eyes of the heart the spiritual reality of heaven, and live as its citizen now. I believe that is just what Scripture is saying very clearly, and bring his kingdom. Okay, we're, we're the ambassadors of this place, right? We're citizens there. We're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ, and we're ambassadors of that place here. So we're seeing how, how this kingdom runs, and we're doing that in our relationships, in our work habits. In, in everything that we do and how we speak in, in that, that we would have that Philippians 2 heart. That Philippians 2 heart is so beautiful, this surrendered heart one to another. We see other people as more important than ourselves, that, that we live that Christ-likeness out. Such a powerful thing. Uh, I believe that's what that is. So uh, Luke 17.21 talks about... Um, it's the Pharisees, and they're asking about, where's the kingdom of heaven? What's it look like when it's going to come? And so forth and so on. And Jesus says to them, uh, the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's, it's here. It's in your midst. He, he even tells that to the believers, that the kingdom of heaven is in you. Um, and so, in other words, the, the point is it's present. It's not far off. He brought it. Jesus brought it. And we should be uh, living in it is the, the issue. So... The, the, the picture that I have is that Jesus came down and paid the price to redeem his people and redeem his planet. And that's what his plan is. He comes down as Lord of all. And we know he's the, he's the king of the kingdom of heaven, but he also says, I'm the king of this planet too. I created this planet. It's my planet. And I want it back. I, he, Jesus claims every square inch of this planet. And so he's inviting sons and daughters into spreading his lordship where everywhere it's going to go. And it's going to go everywhere. There's not a place it's not going to go. It's going to be all over everything that he's made. And so that's what we're doing, getting to enjoy the spread of the kingdom of heaven.
So, we study Scripture, we add faith to it, we receive the Spirit and the Word, and the Word becomes flesh. Um, we become sons and daughters of the kingdom. Second Corinthians 3.18 shares a principle of life that, again, is, is similar. Uh, let me read that one because I haven't read that in quite some time. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the, the principle in that scripture is beholding and becoming. What you're staring at, what you're looking at is what you're becoming. And that's a principle in life, period. His, what he's trying to say is that look at Christ. Be transformed into the Lord of glory because you have access to see him. So focus on him and let that transformation take place. So my point in all this, I guess, is to say we have massive growth awaiting. I mean, we've got, we can take some serious leaps forward once we grab onto this growth mindset and know that it's right here, right now, and we begin to focus on it and feast on it. Again, these, this word is spirit. It tells you all about the spirit realm and the ways of the spirit, the ways of the king, the ways of its kingdom. And as you feed on it, the more you see it and understand it. I, I've been thinking about this for some time, but the picture of the word, there's three different words for word. That, there may be more than that, but I'm picking out three in the Greek. There's the graphe, which just means the black and white words. There is... Uh, the rhema, which is the, the, the Father's Word. It's what's he, what His Spirit's breathing on and bringing to life. And then there's the Logos, which is Jesus. So if you get into the graphe and let the Father breathe on that Word to where it becomes rhema, as you feast on that, then it eventually will turn into Logos, which is understanding. It's like, I got it. It's the same thing I did with, uh, with Romans 8. Reading that over and over and over again all of a sudden changed my mind about a previous thing that God had said and he showed me what he really meant because understanding came. Does that make sense? Because this is heavy stuff, you know, understanding the kingdom of heaven, it's, a, it's above us. But we do have the capacity to understand it because Jesus is the understanding. Now, we, we couldn't understand the Father unless Jesus came. He showed us what the Father's like. He's the understanding of how God is. And now we know what the Father's like because Jesus said, me and the Father are one. I'm, I'm revealing the Father to you. That's what I, I'm the logos. I'm the understanding. So now you don't have to wonder anymore. You, you can know enough. Not, you know, not everything, but plenty. So we have all these things to look at. And I, I have been taught in the past that Jesus came, and if, if you study the New Testament and everything that he said, you can kind of uh, encapsulate his message down to 50 commands that, that Jesus brought. He said, do this, do this, do this, do this. There's about 50 of them. Uh, if you get into the study and look at it that way, there are things like do not be troubled, you know, follow me, let your light shine, things about forgiveness, and, and on, one of them is be perfect. That's a command of Christ. Be perfect. Uh, of course, we know we can't be perfect. He is, though, and he gave himself to us. So see, he's, he's calling us up into something more. Um, 
One of them is repentance, though. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I've got a new look at repentance here that I wanted to share with you that has to do with this, okay? So repent is in the Greek metanoia. Okay, that's the word. And I I love to break down these words because they help you understand more. And so I was thinking this through in in the context of everything I've shared so far this week. And and this kind of popped out at me as I listened to another sermon and he was explaining uh, metanoia and repentance. And this just came to him. I was like, "That's that's what that is. Repentance, what is it? Okay, repentance is not confession, although confession is a part of repentance, a powerful part that I think we have failed to do largely. This is one of the reasons why this can work fast. If we begin to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another so that we could be healed, I mean, healing can start happening. And if healing starts happening and we start doing what the New Testament says to do, which is one of the commands of Christ, do this, we start doing that when we haven't been doing it, change can come fast. I mean, seriously, guys, this thing, could, this thing could get turned on pretty quick. So repentance is not confession, although confession is a part of repentance. Repentance is not feeling sorry for your sin, although feeling sorry for your sin is a part of repentance. Second um, Corinthians 7, 8, and 10 says, Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Okay, so it's a part of it. Uh, worldly sorrow, though, leads to spiritual death. In other words, we don't want to be sorry because we got caught. We want to be sorry because our sin is hurting our Savior. I mean, the things we're doing that are sin are hurting His heart. It's like having an affair, you know? If you're married, you shouldn't have an affair, right? It might hurt the other person's heart. It might. It does terribly to do that. Well, when we sin, what's what we're doing to, the, to God? We're stepping out on Him. Trying to get our needs met some other way. So it hurts his heart. That type of godly sorrow will lead to repentance. So what is it then? Metanoia. Meta means above or beyond or transcend. Um, noia just means to think. Okay? So it, it, the word together is this. So let me tell you this as well about meta. Like meta, give you an example. Metaphysics. Metaphysics is beyond physical that whole subject is talking about spiritual issues that are beyond the physical um and so it's metaphysics it's it's beyond it not physical but beyond okay so metanoia is to be able to see something beyond now where i'm going with this is that jesus brings his kingdom and he gives us a view into heaven which is beyond True repentance is to change your mind, right? We used to think with our own understanding, I'm this and I'm that and I'm a, I'm a loser. That's one of the things that got branded on me when I was young. I won't tell you that whole story, but, but, but I'm a loser. And you start believing those things. That's my understanding that I got from living in this broken world and being broken myself. I got that message. But then when I go to talk to Jesus about that, he's like, you're not a loser. Let me show you who you are. And see, what he does is he opens up heaven, which is what he paid for me to see and know and say, you're not, you're not a loser. You're, you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. That's, see, that's the beyond. And so repentance is to go from 
I'm not a loser. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. See, so repentance is to change your mind from this to something that transcends it. It's above. It's beyond. And I think that's the entire point of true repentance is understanding there are a ton of things that are trapped in our own understanding that God would say, I have a transcendent reality to that that's the opposite. Stop looking at that and start looking at this. Start looking at it, focusing on it, believing in it, feeding on it, declaring it, having other people pray it over you. Get serious about having your mind changed because when your mind goes from here to here, all of a sudden you're going to live out a brand new life. Can you imagine a person who fully believes they're a loser compared to a person who fully believes they're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves them? So two totally different lives right? And that's what repentance is. And that's just one little tiny part of a person's life that you go from this to this. And so again, it has everything to do with this world that Jesus came to open us up to that by faith we can see that is not, we didn't make this up. I'm everything I know about heaven and Jesus and God and everything I got out of here. I didn't come up with this. It's, this is where I got it. And so I know it's from him. So I can bank on it. And I know it pleases him. And of course, the Bible says it does. If you've got faith, you're pleasing to God. If, you're, if you know, if you'll seek after him, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I think that's what he wants to do, pour out reward. Just to go back to, to that Romans 8.32, he's like, for crying out loud, I sacrificed my son to give you this stuff. If you just seek after it, and I think that's one of the issues. You know, I've always saw God as like having, it's almost like this great cosmic Easter egg hunt, you know. And he hides the eggs for us to find. Not to keep them from us, for us to find them. Because that's the fun part, is that the kid finds the egg. But when you're two, you put, you put the egg on the coffee table just right out in the open, or laying right in the floor. So the two-year-old is going to find it. But he hides them according to our capacity to seek and to find. So the more we grow, the more difficult it is. We have to work at it. We have to work through the pain that we're going in. we got to trust him. We got, there's things that go into it, but there's more to find. The good news is, is, though, that he has hidden these things for us to find, not to keep them from us, but, but he also knows that growth has to take place. And so I just feel like we're on the cusp of figuring that out and really going for it. So um, I forgot to add this into true repentance. It takes revelation. Revelation is uh, apocalypsis in the Greek. It just means to unveil. So when you're seeking the Lord for something, you know, you're saying, I, God, I want to see, I want to know you, open my eyes, open the eyes of my heart, let me see this inheritance, help me see how you see me. See, you're seeking him with that type of prayer. You're reading in the word the truth, you're wanting him, you're asking him for revelation knowledge, you're, this is what you've got to have. God, I don't want a house, I don't want a car, I don't want a boat, I want you. This is what I want. You're, you're seeking after him, and then all of a sudden, revelation comes in the word you read it and the veil just got taken back and now you're seeing a spiritual reality that you're like that's mine that's mine that's repentance you've just changed
That's what true repentance is. I hope I made that as clear as mud. So Jesus is the truth, and I'm just about done here. Oh yeah, seven, we got to go. Let me read you Philippians 3.20, just to end this one. Philippians 3.20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he has able he is able to even to subdue all things to himself. Now, what I believe that verse says is that there are God is giving down payments of this thing. We're not going to get it all. When Jesus finally comes, that's when you know this this fullness is coming. But I don't. I think that we can get down payments on it more and more and more according to how much you want it, how much time and and and, and diligence you're giving to the seeing. You know. If we're all caught up in what's going on in the world, well, you're, that's what you want. That's what you'll get. But this is, this is uh, we, can, we can walk in so much more. I fully believe that. That's what I want to stir you guys up to, believing and then living out and encouraging one another to love and good works and watching God do amazing things, miracles in our midst. This church coming to life, changing this city just being the representatives of heaven as, as we should be. So I want to pray that blessing over you guys. Is there anybody want, that would like prayer tonight, special prayer? Anybody need that? Yes, ma'am. Sure. Okay. Well, come on down here. If the men would come forward. And we will pray. And ladies too, sorry, I keep forgetting to add that. Now tell me her name. Megan? Okay. Just surgery throughout front. Hernia surgery. Megan. So, Father, we come in Jesus' name. We apply the oil representing the power of your spirit. We lift up Megan to you, Father. We thank you for the power of prayer. And we just call Megan and her spirit, soul, and body underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. We apply the lordship of Christ Jesus over her life. And, Father, we're praying that in this situation, in this surgery, that she would literally feel the presence of God's love and the peace of, that, uh, that passes understanding, that she would have a faith that would, that would rise up in her that she knows is the very presence of God working in her because, Father, you love her with an unconditional love. Jesus, you've paid the price so that the Spirit of God could minister to her. And, Father, we're asking you to show up in such a way that, the, that you'd be highlighted and the activity of God would be seen and felt and known in her. So, Father, I pray uh, for just the skill of doctors to be on point, that you'd be guiding nurses and doctors and all that they do. Uh, we pray, Father, the Spirit of Christ just pour out over Megan's heart, uh, that she would feel your solid rock foundation. And, Lord, just bless her and pour your Spirit out on her. And bless Deborah and Mark as they minister to her. May the Spirit of Christ be come, come into the room when they come into the room. May they release that presence over, 
over their daughter. And Father, just do a work, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you, Father, for that. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. guys ready to go home? Yeah, I'm sorry. Choir practice. If you're in choir, time for practice. Everybody else? Yes, sir. Okay, we'll take the bus. Seniors go to... Uh, if we can get one more, so if somebody here wants to go Friday, sign up, let us know. I guess it's pending at the moment. All right, we got it. Taking the bus Friday. Everybody everybody, join in. All right, anything else? Joey, you got anything? All right, choir practice. God bless you guys. We'll see you on Sunday.